Welcome to the Humanizing Work Mailbag, where we answer questions from the Humanizing Work community. In this episode, we're trying to make sense of the wave of Scrum Master and Agile Coach layoffs that we've seen lately. If you've been impacted by these layoffs, please let us know. We work with lots of companies and we'll keep an eye out for opportunities. We also want to thank those of you that responded to our request to hear from our listeners. Hearing how the show impacts you has been very meaningful to us. If we haven't heard from you, please let us know your thoughts on the content of the Humanizing Work Show by emailing us at mailbag at humanizingwork.com. And just a quick reminder to rate and review the Humanizing Work Show in your podcast app, or if you're watching on YouTube, would you please subscribe, like, and share today's episode if you find it valuable to you? We really appreciate your help spreading the word about the show. And if you want to get access to more content that we produce beyond the show, you can sign up for our newsletter, where we share one key idea every week. You can sign up in the footer of any page at humanizingwork.com. All right, on to this week's mailbag question. Longtime client Nicole asks, what are your thoughts on all these Scrum Master and Agile Coach layoffs? Many companies seem to be eliminating these roles altogether. What do you make of it? Well, first off, we feel bad for those who've been laid off. Thinking that you have a good job and suddenly losing it is hard. We know many people who've been caught up in this who are really doing good work. If you're hiring for one of these roles, please let us know. We can probably refer some solid candidates from among our clients. And like I said, if you've been directly impacted by one of these layoffs, please let us know. And we'll keep our eye out for those opportunities. While the immediate stress of looking for work is brutal, we all know, we also know that great people often find new and interesting opportunities they never would have considered in times like this. It's true. In fact, the original iteration of humanizing work started in 2008, precisely because my company at the time decided this agile coach role was no longer going to be necessary. Our consulting clients don't need this. Uh, my role went away, so I went independent. And ironically, my first gig as an independent was coaching a different part of that same organization. So you never know what's going to happen. In this episode, though, we want to zoom out from particular layoffs and reflect on what this trend of layoffs for Scrum Masters and coaches might mean more broadly. Yeah, one way to look at this is what it might mean for the Agile movement in general. I could see interpreting this as another bit of evidence that Agile, kind of as a brand, is declining. It happens to all management trends. We can think of you know previous ones like Six Sigma and Lean, Total Quality Management Movement, all of those things. This happens over time. And if companies no longer see Agile as an innovative management practice, they're naturally going to start looking for something else to improve their organizations. It probably doesn't help that there are many large companies that have gone through multiple kind of well-publicized rounds of what they call, quote, Agile transformations which were anything but transformative. So those companies have paid millions to try to get the benefits promised by the Agile movement and for a variety of reasons, haven't seen a good enough return on that investment to keep at it. We won't go into our perspective on what caused those transformation efforts to fail. That's kind of not the point of this episode. But send us an email if that's something you'd be curious to get our take on. So mailbag at humanizingwork.com is the best way to do that. Suffice it to say, those transformation efforts didn't work from the leadership perspective. So there's no use throwing good money after bad, as the saying goes. Probably a less extreme version of this is that agile concepts have become business as usual. It doesn't feel to many leaders like it's a thing they need help with anymore. Like, I don't need a typing coach anymore. Everybody in our org knows how to type just fine. Which isn't to say that typing is out. It just doesn't feel like an innovative thing that requires direct attention anymore. 
As the water level of excitement and interest in Agile has kind of dropped, it may have exposed some issues, though, with how those roles were hired for and done in practice that were able to float under the radar for a while, to mix the metaphor. Fixing those issues is probably more work than moving on to the next thing, given the brand perception around Agile. Even if the general feelings about Agile remain positive in an organization, Scrum Masters and Agile coaches are admittedly among the easiest to lay off since they're not directly doing the work, so they don't obviously seem valuable. And there are probably lots of examples of people in those roles not adding real value, either due to lack of skill or organizational challenges, which just exacerbates that ease of laying them off. There's a, a reinforcing loop there. They don't seem like important roles, so they don't get skill development or influence, and that causes them to seem even less like important roles. It's actually similar to the manager role, but without that positional power or authority to protect them in it. An example of this is the the layoffs that we're hearing about are largely happening in big companies. That's why we're hearing about them. In these environments, we've noticed people spend a crazy amount of time in meetings. This makes it hard for anyone to do focused work. As a result, the potential for a good scrum master or coach to create a high-performing team has a ceiling on it because the potential to have a high-performing team has a ceiling. So their contribution towards that is necessarily limited. It's ironic that this is the kind of context that particularly benefits from a high-value coach to cut through organizational impediments like excessive wasteful meetings and no time for focused work, but it's really hard to do that from within the system especially at the team level. It did seem like there were way more coach roles than people who likely had the experience and skills to coach effectively. That's not new, but I think there is room for some excess capacity when economic conditions were good. And now that times are tough, um, that's more visible. I vividly remember Agile 2010, the, the big Agile conference in 2010, as the first time a plurality of people at an Agile conference were introducing themselves as coaches rather than some kind of practitioner. You'd be sitting at the breakfast table and ask what people do. And it was like, you know, coach, 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 coach. Most of the people at that time had maybe one experience as a practitioner and limited training or practice in any kind of coaching. That bubble had to pop at some point. And like the lean metaphor Peter used earlier about the water level going down and exposing the rocks is, uh, I, I think, some of what may be happening here. I think the lack of a career path for Scrum Masters would have also contributed to that. Many people got promoted into coach roles with larger areas of responsibility across a business unit or multiple teams, but didn't get the distinct skills required for that kind of coach work that would have allowed them to be successful. Yeah, I think there's a risk for these organizations of kind of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. While there's probably some waste in how the roles were and are being done in some organizations, we know of so many really effective coaches and scrum masters that are creating huge positive impacts for their teams and for the organization in general. Uh, it reminds me of the example of Harry Nyquist at the original Bell Labs, which was really like the most innovative organization in the world at that time. And they came in to study what made the scientists at Bell most effective. And so they started with who had the most patents as just one way to say, who should we study? 
And so they were studying the scientists that had the most patents to see if they could find common themes, like where did they go to school? What degrees did they have? What area of the world did they come from? What field of study were they in? And they didn't find any obvious similarities in those kind of external things. But as they started interviewing those scientists that had the most patents, they discovered that they all ate lunch with the same guy, a scientist named Harry Nyquist. And Harry didn't have that many patents. He had a fairly limited field of practice. But Harry knew who they should talk to about their current project and asked really great probing questions as they ate their lunch and would was really helpful at connecting dots that seemed separated. Like, oh, this idea you're talking about sounds sort of like this thing over here. Have you considered that? Um, based on kind of traditional measures of output, laying off Harry uh, Nyquist during an economic downturn would have seemed like a good move. He was not the most patent-heavy <laughs> scientist at Bell. But it also would have, in hindsight, set Bell Labs back by a few decades. A few implications to this trend that we're seeing. One is that managers in the organizations are going to have to level up big time because a lot of the capability building and system improvement work that was previously delegated to scrum masters and coaches is theirs now. If you don't have that role, it still needs to happen. And now it's yours if you're a manager. We talk about this in our three jobs of management model. Um, which we'll link to in the show notes, previous episode about that. And a lot of the focus areas in there ended up delegated to scrum masters and coaches, but um, now they're not. Organizations that can figure out how to use coaches effectively are going to get a competitive advantage. Coaching, as we've said, doesn't represent capacity on its own, but coaching, whether internal or external, is leverage. It's a multiplier. And if you have that leverage and your competitors don't, that's a big advantage. You can get more results out of the same investment. I expect some smart organizations to do some combination of keeping their effective coaches, hiring the best coaches who are now on the job market, and engaging external coaches for the unique contribution they can make from outside the system. That's our take on it. We're curious about yours. Share in the comments how you're making sense of this trend. Let us know if you're impacted by it or if you're looking to hire, and we can try and connect some folks there. And please like and share the episode if you found it useful, and keep the questions coming. We enjoy digging into the tough topics, so please send them our way. Thanks for tuning in. Mm -hmm.